Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. Now, if you'll take your Bible and turn to John 21, that's where we're going to be today. Uh, This week, we find ourselves on the other side of Easter. I mean, we know and we have the hope of Jesus' resurrection, but at the same time, we remain in a strange and difficult situation. I mean, any plans we had before March 15th are changed. Uh, We've got 10 days left in this current stay-at-home order. And as followers of Jesus, we know that Jesus is alive, but we're caught between the hope of the resurrection and the unknown of the future. And this sense of being caught has reminded us of some really important things. It's reminded us that what we need is something we can't produce or purchase. And it's not a return to normal. It's not a sense of stability. And it's not a certainty about what the future holds. What we need at our deepest level is two things. We need to remember what we know. And we need to walk in what we know. Now, in our passage today, we're going to see Jesus' first disciples in a very similar spot. They, they know that Jesus is alive, but they don't know what's next. They're, they're caught between the reality of Jesus' resurrection and an uncertain future. And we find that in that kind of place, Jesus comes to them and cares for them. He gives them what they need most. He gives them himself. So I'm going to read John 21, 1 through 14. I'll pray, and then we'll jump into God's word. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, we're going to go with you. And they went out and got in the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it. Now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were uh, not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the reality of Jesus' resurrection, that Jesus Christ is alive, that we have hope. Thank you, Jesus, that just as you come 
just as you came to these disciples here in John 21, that it's your desire to come to us, to care for us, to meet us in this time of uncertainty where we are caught between the hope of the resurrection and an unknown future. And so, Lord, I pray that as we gather around your word today, I pray that you would speak into every heart. Lord, you know every story, uh, you know every heart watching this, you know every need. And so, Lord, would you speak? Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes and our ears so that we may see and hear wonderful things from your word? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, we're going to see two things from the passage today. We're going to see the disciples' reality, and we're going to see Jesus reveal. Let's start with the disciples' reality. Again, you're going to see here in this passage that the disciples find themselves in a very familiar place. First, they have the hope of the resurrection. In verse 1, it says that Jesus, after this, Jesus revealed himself again. So the disciples already know that Jesus is alive. They know that he's been raised from the dead. In fact, in verse 14, it says this was the third time he had done so. So they, they have the hope of the resurrection. But second, notice their, their reality is that they're facing an unknown future. I mean, they know that they're to follow Jesus, but he's not there. They know that they have been sent from John 20, 21. Jesus says, I'm sending you out, but they really don't know what that means. And we see with the disciples, they're in a situation very much like ours. They're caught between the hope of the resurrection and the unknown of the future. And so they do what they know. Look at verse 3. It says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. And they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And then Jesus shows up in verse 4. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. Now, I'm fairly confident they said more than no, but at least they said no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. So they did it. They cast it. Now, they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. Well, something happens here in verse 7 where John realizes that's not just a, a man. That's Jesus in verse 7. And it says, The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It's the Lord. And when Peter hears this, it says that he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea, and he swims to shore. Well, when he gets to shore... When, they, when all of them arrive, they see that Jesus has made them breakfast. Look at verse 9. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, uh, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Jesus, don't miss this. <laughs> Jesus, the resurrected king, makes them breakfast. Now this happens a lot through God's word, where God either literally or figuratively prepares a meal for his followers. In John 20, not in John, in Psalm 23, we read that Jesus prepares a table for us in the midst of our enemies. And in the midst of the disciples' fear and doubt and anxiety and unknown about the future, Jesus prepares a table for them. In the midst of all that, Jesus, the resurrected king, comes to them 
and he cares for them. I wonder if you see Jesus that way right now in your life. I mean, in the midst of all the uncertainty, in the midst of all the anxiety, in the midst of all the worry, in the midst of all the fear, do you see Jesus as far away and uninterested? Or do you see Jesus as close to you, preparing a table for you, for you to come and sit with him? In the midst of the disciples' reality, they they see Jesus coming to them to care for them. So this is the disciples' reality. They're caught between the hope of the resurrection and the unknown of the future, and yet Jesus is close to them, caring for them. And in the midst of all this, we see Jesus revealed. Now, verse 1 of chapter 21, it says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again, and he revealed himself in this way. So Jesus is revealing himself to the disciples here. And he's revealing himself in specific ways to show us specific things. And we see three things in the chapter that tells us something about Jesus. We see that he's our faithful provider. We see that he's our servant king. And we see that he is our gracious redeemer. Let's start with faithful provider. In verses four through six, we see that these men have been fishing all night, no fish. Jesus shows up and says, hey guys, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. They have so many fish, they don't know what to do with them and the nets don't tear. Now, let's argue for a moment that these men aren't fishing to escape something or to avoid something, but they're fishing because that's what they knew to do. They were fishermen before they followed Jesus. So they're fishing in order to make money so they can provide food and lodging, things they need. And notice, they're working hard, but there's no fish until Jesus comes. And Jesus provides. He's, he's revealing himself in this passage as our faithful Provider. The disciples needed to remember that, and we do too. Now, for many of us, the knowledge that Jesus is our faithful provider is being tested right now. It's being tested. I mean, even if you got your COVID stimulus check this week, there's still this reality of what's going to happen next. How will this affect my family? How will this affect my business? How will this affect my future. And what we need to remember right now is that Jesus is our faithful provider. Jesus revealed himself in this way in this chapter. The the disciples needed to remember this, and we do too. But the disciples don't just need Jesus' provision. They also need Jesus' presence. And we see that Jesus, our servant King prepares a place for the disciples to spend time with him. He makes them breakfast. Look at verse 9. It says, When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. That was prepared for them already. It was prepared for them. Jesus didn't need their help for them to do it, for him to do it. Uh, it was prepared. It was a prepared place for them to connect with Jesus. Don't miss this. The resurrected king served these men breakfast. We see that in verse 12. It says, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. 
Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Verse 13, Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and so with the fish. The, the, the picture here is Jesus, the resurrected king, serving these men breakfast. He's our servant king. Now, I'm a little bit hesitant to call him a servant because when we think servant, we think someone to order around or someone to boss. We think, I'm going to tell you what to do and you're going to do it. That's not who Jesus is. He is the resurrected king who rules and who reigns. But he's also a king who lays down his power and privilege to bless those who trust him. That's what he's doing right here. He's creating space for his followers who need, yes, who need his provision, but who more than that need his presence. Now, I don't know about meals in your home, but very often meals in my home can go by very quickly. It feels like as soon as we've said the blessing, the food's gone, like in a breath. Now, not, not all the time, but, but sometimes that's what it feels like. Well, in this culture, a meal was a time to slow down. It was a time to connect with others. It was a time to pause and enjoy one another. That's what Jesus is providing a place for. The servant king is providing a place for his disciples to slow down and to spend time with him. Because the disciples need more than Jesus' provision. They need his presence. And we do too. As followers of Jesus, we yes, we need his provision, but we need his presence. And so are you slowing down? Are you slowing down to spend time with Jesus in his word? Are you slowing down to spend time with Jesus in prayer? Are you, are you slowing down to, to sit with Jesus and spend time with your resurrected king? The, the one we get to be with is the one who conquered sin on the cross, who conquered death in the tomb, and who rules and reigns at the right hand of the Father. And he says, we can spend time with him. He's our provider. He's our faithful provider. He's our servant king. But finally, he's our gracious redeemer. After breakfast, Jesus addresses Peter publicly in front of his friends. Look at verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now he can mean several things there. He can mean, do you love me more than you love this, this, what I've provided for you? He could mean, do you love me more than, uh, than you love these other men? Or he could mean, do you love me more than these other men love me? Then he moves on. He said, he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Then he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, it feels like Jesus is publicly rebuking Peter here. He's actually publicly restoring Peter. You may remember that the night before Jesus was crucified, Peter denied Jesus three times. 
And he said he would never do that, that he would die before he would deny Jesus, but he denied him three times. And here, Jesus is restoring Peter. He's restoring him. And on the third time, Peter's a little frustrated. He says, Jesus, you know everything. You know that I love you. And that is absolutely true. It was true of Peter. It's true of us. Jesus knows everything about us. He knows every action, every attitude, every thought, every word, every deed. He knows every link clicked. He knows every search made. He knows everything about you from the day you were born to the day you breathed your last. He knows everything. And he died on a cross for you anyway. He knows everything about you and he died on a cross for you anyway. Here's the take home. Here's the take home of this revelation of Jesus as our gracious redeemer. Even the best of us need the grace of God. Now listen, Peter denied Jesus, but Peter was also the leader of the disciples. He walked on water. Like I've never walked on water. Peter was one of the leaders of these men. And it reminds us that even the best of us need God's grace. It's also a good reminder that even the worst of us can get it. There's more grace in God than there's sin in you. Listen to me, Christian. God knew everything about you, and he sent his son to die for you anyway. God is, Jesus is our gracious redeemer. And don't let the evil one lie to you. See, the, the evil one, what, what he will do right now as you, as you listen to this idea is he'll, he'll start to say to you, hey, that's true for everybody else. That's true for everybody else, but it's not true for you. Or he'll say, hey, you're the one person in all of human history who would exhaust the infinite grace of Jesus. If that kind of mess is going on in your heart right now, you tell him he's a liar. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said this, the devil tells you it's of no use for you to believe in Christ, that there is not efficacy for you. In other words, that it won't work that it won't work, that Jesus is the gracious redeemer for everybody else, but it won't work for you. He says this, uh, the devil tells you that you've sinned away your day of grace, you tell him he's a liar. That Christ has offered one sacrifice for sins forever, and the atoning sacrifice has no limit in its merit. The salvation of some has not drained it of even the smallest degree of its power. So when you wonder if Jesus could ever forgive you, you remember there's no sin too great. His grace is greater still because Jesus is our gracious redeemer. And so as those who find themselves caught between the, the hope of the resurrection and the unknown of the future, we can remember that Jesus is our faithful provider. He's our servant king. And he's our gracious redeemer. So how do we apply this? Well, two things. First, we need to remember what we know. Now, as I was studying this week, um, I was reminded that the disciples did not learn anything new in this chapter. In fact, when we're going through hard times, we rarely need to learn something new. Most of the time, we need to remember what we already know. That's what's going on for the disciples. I mean, they had, they had seen Jesus provide, provide before. Uh, they had seen him feed the 5,000 with just a basket of bread and fish. 
They had, they had seen Jesus create space for them to be with them. They had seen Jesus forgive sin. So there was, there was nothing new that they learned in this chapter. But what they needed wasn't to learn something new. They needed to remember something that they already knew. And what they remembered is really sweet. They remembered because Jesus revealed himself. They remembered that Jesus is our faithful provider, that he knows our needs even before we ask him. And when we ask him for bread, he won't give us a stone. They they remember that Jesus is our servant king who lays down his life for his friends and who welcomes sinners to eat with him. They remember that Jesus is our gracious redeemer, that he died for all of our sin, that if we will place our hope in him, surrender our life to him, that we can be forgiven and free all our sin and shame wiped away. They remembered this. When we find ourselves caught between the hope of the resurrection and the unknown of the future, We need to remember what we know. And then second, we need to walk in what we know. Listen, John John 21 is not simply about theological clarity. It's not simply about knowing some things about Jesus. What, What Jesus wants for them is for them to walk in what they know, and that's what he wants for us. He doesn't just want us to remember that he's a faithful provider and a servant king and a gracious redeemer. He wants us to walk in those things. He wants us to walk in the reality that he's our faithful provider. So when we're tempted to worry, when we're tempted to fear, when we're tempted to doubt, we need to remember Jesus will provide for us. He'll provide for us. We need to walk in the reality that he's our servant king who welcomes us into his presence and to remember that we get to be not with a drive through person that just gives us what we need, but we get to be with the servant king who rose from the grave so that we could be with him. We need to walk in that reality. We need to walk in the reality that he's our gracious redeemer. And so when we fail miserably at remembering and walking in those first two things, when we might be tempted to run from him in shame, we can run to him in faith because he is our gracious redeemer. We need to remember what we know. We need to walk in what we know. Now, at the risk of messing up our minds about what day of the week it is even more, I'm filming this on April 15th, on Wednesday, which is Corey Ten Boom's birthday. It also marks the day of her death in 1983. She died at 91. Her and her family were Dutch Christians who helped many Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust of World War II. Her home was raided and she was imprisoned along with her family. Uh, she She escaped from prison later. And she's most uh, famous as an author. Her most famous book is a book called The Hiding Place, which refers to both the room where they would protect Jews as well as God, who's described as our hiding place in the Psalms. And one of my favorite quotes by her is this. 
Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And on this day, when we find ourselves caught between the hope of the resurrection and the unknown of the future, as followers of Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of the unknown because Jesus has made himself known to us. He's revealed himself to us. And so we can remember what we know about him, that he's our faithful provider, our servant king, our gracious redeemer. And we can walk in that by faith, trusting him, enjoying him, running to him. Let's do that together. When we're caught between the hope of the resurrection and the unknown of the future, let's run to Jesus, remembering what we know and walking in what we know. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you love us so much that you meet us in those times where we're caught between hope and the unknown. When we're, when we're caught in this kind of moment, you run to us, not from us. You draw near to us. You don't run away. Jesus, thank you that you revealed something of yourself in this chapter, certainly things that were already known, but you revealed them in specific ways so that we would learn specific things. And Lord, I pray that whatever we are walking in, however we are uniquely experiencing this uh, unprecedented time, I pray, Lord, that we would know your closeness and we would know your care. And that we remember your goodness, your greatness, and your grace. And that we walk in those things. Help us with that, Lord. Help us. Help us remember what we know. Help us, give us grace to walk in what we know. And we pray all these things in Christ's name, our faithful provider, our servant king, and our gracious redeemer. In his name we pray, amen.